With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Ooh, Bosco's boys. Come on, boys. Welcome back to the Bosco's Boys podcast. We've got a recurring guest. First ever recurring guest. That's right, and it's... First team, all Big 12 tied in, Travis Tannehill. And break the news on the pod. Tell us what game you're broadcasting week one, the full broadcast. We will be there week one, full broadcast, me and Smoller. Um, should be a fun time. So, so it's former all Big 12 tight end and now TV star. Yeah, well, I did it last year too, so I got my feet wet last year. Yeah, but you're doing. you're just a rookie last year. Now yeah. you're a full-on TV star. And uh, we're going to get back to it. Travis is on and then... You know what that means? Beer of the pod time from Defiance Brewing out in Hayes, Kansas. We have the Twisted Logic IPA. Boys, how does it taste on this uh, August day? To me, it tastes almost like football. I haven't tried it yet. Oh, spoiler! <laughs> I'm enjoying it. Pretty darn good. Uh, not a big IPA guy, but for an IPA, it's a uh, pretty stinking good locally here in Kansas. So we'll take it. Yeah, another Kansas brewery and uh, another one we can knock off. Oh, it says India Pale Ale, so an India Pale Ale from Hayes, Kansas. I don't know how that works. Not a beer guy, but pretty good. <laughs> you really are not a beer guy if that's something you just that, that, said That's one of the best quotes we've had on there. That's great. <laughs> not that, a beer guy. Travis Stanhill, not a beer guy and doesn't understand how an India Pale Ale comes from Hayes, Kansas. Is all Pale Ale from India? I'm not sure. I don't know. <laughs> that's we'll, what we'll, an IPA we'll, is, we'll, we'll India ex- Pale Ale. We'll explain the history of beer. Oh, that's what the IPA comes from. The, the <laughs> India Pale Ale has to be an IPA. Yes. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's a dumb statement by me. Sorry. Carry on. Back oh, to no. football. No, it, no, it's fun. and uh, you know that That's some good stuff. You can endear <laughs> yourself to the boneheads and our thousands upon thousands of listeners. Speaking of India, we actually have two all-time listens from India. So... Thanks to the you know glory of science and our podcasting host, <laughs> we know exactly what country everyone comes from. We have two from India. Sure, they're like real people and not robots. One hundred percent. Boneheads are all over the place. Hey, I love it. Global boneheads. Global. It is global. I'll take a robot. I don't care. Whatever yeah, listen hey, is listen. As, as long as they listen, rate, review, subscribe. We had a lot of fun during our contest, folks. Uh, you know, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Check us out. Like we said a couple pods ago, we are on the Armchair All-American site, so check them out. A lot of good blogs, a lot of good podcasts. Clamor at them. Let them know that you want to see a K-State writer on their platform as well. Uh, so I guess we can jump into yeah, some can. sort of introductions here. Hot news, Bill Snyder extension. Does that mean anything to you guys? Uh, you know, I uh, as we talked to Gene uh, on the last pod, I think it is good that they did it. Um, you know, he's not going to go anywhere. So it doesn't really change much for me. The only thing of note 
from me, a contract expert, is now it's no longer a rolling five-year contract. As things stand right now, if they don't do anything, the contract's up in five years. Up until now, every offseason, it got an auto-renew to five years. So that's all it meant to me. Travis, your old coach, he's... Still going. I mean, shoot, I thought he was retiring after my senior year and then every year ever after that since then. But, uh, you know, the more and more I talk to him and the more and more I talk to the people around him, I mean, I don't think he has any plans to stop until he physically can't. So, um, you know, he's mentally all there. He's physically as healthy as he's ever been. So, uh, I, I really the only – I think it's all kind of, you know, on paper technicality. It doesn't really mean anything, especially for us who um, know the program like we do. Um, but from a recruiting standpoint, I think that's really it's the biggest uh, difference maker because I always thought it would be so easy to compete against, or recruit against K-State because all you got to say is, well, your coach probably won't be there in two years. Where now I think this is really K-State putting on the on paper at least that you know he should be here for the next five years. And whether that happens or not, who knows, but at least on paper that's where it's at. So it should help in that, in that front. Well, not only that, but there's been a lot of – talk about how he's energized with all these new coaches we actually saw brian norwood as we were leaving the veneer complex just earlier uh when we got done talking to gene and everyone's talked about uh blake and colin and andre taking on more roles and everyone's saying he's more energized i see him now almost probably saddling up and saying all right let's do these five years let's see where everything's at from there and you know, I'm I'm now starting to get okay with the fact that, okay, you know, he might be here for another three, four years. Yeah, I agree. And I think, too, I mean, this is probably the hardest working staff he's had in a long time. I think a lot of, um, you know, the staff the last few years, probably the last four or five years, I mean, there were some guys that were older, tired, seasoned, you know, been there, done that. They don't need to go study the playbook. They wrote the playbook two decades ago. So <laughs> um, they, they have – some youth on the staff that's energized and I think he's gonna he's gonna get a lot out of this staff and they're willing to work and know what it's going to take to make a team special so I'm I'm excited about the all the assistant coaches and all the changes um it should be a, a good time this year and um just to have a staff that that's willing to come in and put in the extra I mean he demands so much of his staff and to have guys that are going to do it cheerfully and and be there earlier than even he re, he requires uh, I think that'll be a huge asset for K-State. I agree. You summed it up very well. I'm excited about the new young guys. Not that, you know, guys like Demo and Tom Hayes didn't work hard, but they were definitely stale. And it's nice to see some new ideas, some new quotes coming out, and we can just kind of segue right into that media day. There's some really interesting quotes that have come out of media day, and it's nice that the uh, assistants were actually available. I hope maybe they will be opened up a little bit more, but there's so many quotes from this, but we had to, we handpicked a few, starting off with, Andre Coleman talking about the offense saying we're not reinventing the wheel we're putting different rims on it <laughs> what does that mean to you Travis well from a I drive a 2011 Camry so I'm not a, I'm not a real big rim guy but um no I think obviously what I see and I'll, I'll probably hit on this a few times today during our, our during our uh our talk but I mean, they're really just from a predictability standpoint. They're just going to do something, whether it's right or wrong, it's just different. And that's really all you need. The um, the logistics and the film study has gotten so good from opposing teams that, I mean, they knew what Dana Dimmel was going to do on third and four, you know, on. I knew. Yeah, within their own 30 yard line. I mean, everybody knew. And so just to, even for those first few games or this first season, if we can ca- capture a little bit of an edge, um, just having a little unpredictability. Um, you know, I, I think that's going to be a huge advantage. And, and I think these coaches are young enough to know that, 
you know, it, it's okay to try something new. It's okay to mess up. It's okay to run a bad play. Um, where, where I think Coach Dimmel was a little um, – he wanted to be in the perfect play every single play, and that's why we saw some of the time clock, the play clock management, um, you know, burning three timeouts in the first two drives. Um, he just had to be in that perfect play where sometimes at the end of the day, you just got to let your players go out there and make plays, and you're not going to be in the perfect play, and we might not have a guy blocked, but guess what? The running back can run right and then run left and make that guy miss, and next thing you know, you made five yards. So I think we'll see a little more um, – I mean, Coach Dem, he he was almost a perfectionist in the in his play calling, um, and also I think we'll see a little more casual, like, hey, let's go throw a jump ball, see see if we can win. We got a six four you know six four receiver, let's go see if we can win a jump ball, which you would have hardly ever seen that um, with Coach Dimmel. So I'm excited. It's going to be um, curious to see how much they do change because I do think they'll change a decent amount. I mean, like he said, we're not rewriting throwing the playbook out the window and rewriting a new one but um there'll be some wrinkles and there'll be some caveats in there that'll definitely uh you know bring some excitement and keep the defense on their toes speaking of bringing some excitement you said maybe even speed it up alex barnes chimed in during his media availability saying i think it'll change quite a bit we're going to open it up we're probably going to pick up or we're going to come at people with a little space we're going to spread the ball downfield dot 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 everything so pace, pace, like <laughs> pace. That, that's something we have not. I mean, as a K State fan, at least in the sense of play call, getting up to line, there's never been any pace. Do you think Alex is, you know, getting a little ahead of himself, or are you anticipating a little bit more pace in that? Oh, I mean, I don't think we're going to see, you know, Oklahoma State pace or Oregon pace or anything crazy like that. But no, I think we'll they'll have a little more urgency getting to the line. Um, I know that was from a personal standpoint. That was always something that. Um, drove quarterback coach Colin Klein insane. <laughs> uh, even when he was playing quarterback, and you know, as of recently as being the quarterback coach. Um, so now that he probably has a little more um, weight in the in that offensive play calling room, I could see like the. I do not think we'll have the 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 play clock issue anymore. They're going to get to the line, call a play, pick one, and go with it. Um, so no, I think they're they're going to do that. I, I don't. As a player, I'm, I'm sure Alex Barnes and the rest of the team would love to stretch the field out a little more and throw the ball a little more because that's just a whole lot of fun. But from looking at our our, our tools and our assets, I think um, I still think we're going to be a, a, a ground and pound type of team, especially this year, just with what we have. So we'll see. Um, it'll play out, but it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see because normally we're getting preached. You know, we're going to run the ball. We're going to run the ball. We're going to run the ball. If we get in trouble, we'll pass the ball. But you know, we'd love to run the ball. Three, you know. <laughs> First down, second down, third down, and get a first down and do it all over again. So <laughs> it's uh, it'll be interesting to see. At least you know, Leafs coaches want want to throw the ball, which which will be fun. So yeah, um, there's another quote that came out. I don't have it written down, but uh, I think Coleman was talking. It just sounds like we're gonna have more of a plan with the players that we have in the last few years. You know, we've had those four. We've had four, three running backs last last few years. I guess Mike McCoy hasn't really broken through yet, but. And then it just doesn't seem like there was really any plan with those guys whatsoever. It does kind of seem I can't. I wish I had the quote. I don't have it off the top of my head, but he's like, "We're gonna use. I'm gonna use my players. Or I'm gonna. We're gonna run the offense with the players that we have, and we're gonna actually utilize them correctly. You know, that's gonna be nice to see. So it seems like we have more of a plan. And Bill said something about like we're not gonna have to divvy up the yeah. divvy up the runs, which is also exciting because it's like just give it to the guy that's the best runner and it doesn't seem yeah. like it seems like we've been trying to force force carries to people and we don't know what 
we don't know what running back to run, put in the game at any point. It's just it seems more clear cut to me at least at this point. Yeah, and I know like some games it'd be like all oh, the carries got car- you know divided evenly between three guys, and then like the next game one of the running backs would get all the carries, and the next game one yeah. of them would get the a different running back would get all the carries, and it's like I don't know. It's just like you know disorganized within the press box or what like literally like are they just forgetting to put guys in and like uh, as a yeah. player you don't come out unless you're told to i mean like, last I'm not year i go volunteer to the coach to put in my backup so i feel like we didn't see dalvin warmack for like probably five games at all and then all of a sudden he's getting every carry against west virginia yeah and then it's like coaches would go back at the end of the game and be like oh crap we forgot about dalvin <laughs> it's like how do you like forget about a player but so I, I don't think that's happening i'm sure there was some plan behind the scenes of why they were doing that but that's what it sure seems like from the outside looking in is like you know we got some we got some studs back there let's find a way to give them the ball yeah and speaking to the outside looking in I don't know if this quote from Andre was directed towards the fans I don't know if he was using the media to talk to his own players but this is the quote from media day that got me the most fired up he said we go to bowl games every year that's great but we have to change our mindset around here to be in that Final Four. We know it can be done. It wasn't that long ago that K-State was 11-1. When I heard that quote, I first saw it on Twitter. Uh, John Kurtz tweeted out, and then I heard it on his radio show. I was ready to run through a wall. I was like, <laughs> yes, I love what Andre Coleman is saying because I do think, and while bowl games are great, and you know, God willing, Bill Snyder is going to see K-State to its second 10 bowl game uh, appearance streak in a couple years uh, in our lifetime. Uh, it is great, but I do think sometimes K-State fans as a whole say, as long as you know we're doing it the right way, we're not cheating, our players are okay, then, oh, it's all right if we go 7-5. and five. Hearing one of our coaches say that just – just fired me up. I wish I could, you know, I wish I had talent so I could play for that guy. <laughs> when you first saw that, uh, that quote, what did it say to you? I mean, I totally agree. And, like, as a player – A player who was on – yeah. Some of those 11, well, 10 win teams. And a player that started my freshman year, we didn't make a bowl game. And so, like, yeah, our freshman year, that was our goal to make a bowl game. And we fell short of that goal. So, year two, it was make a bowl game. And we did. We made the pinstripe bowl. And, you know, once you get to the cotton bowl and the fiesta bowl, the pinstripe bowl kind of sucks. And so, <laughs> you uh, you don't want to go back to the pinstripe bowl. And I think they got rid of the pinstripe bowl. So, um, so it, yeah, it's 100% agree with what Coach Coleman's saying. I mean, as a player, that should never be um, – you know, a goal just to make, to win six games. I mean, that's really not that hard. Um, and so, as for me as a player, I went into every season like we're gonna. Our, my goal is to win the Big Twelve, and if you win the Big Twelve, you should land in a spot where you're at least in the conversation for that playoff. We didn't have playoffs when I was playing, um, so that was always kind of when I was playing. It was win the Big Twelve that should give you a chance to go to a BCS bowl, uh, which which worked in our you know which we did um, you know our senior year. So it's it, it's tough because. You know, you can't – some guys like, oh, we're going to go undefeated and win the national championship. And so it's like, that's really, really hard. <laughs> and I, I'm a little bit of a realist, but, um, you know, literally, I mean, you, you you can. If you prepare right, you can go in. And, you know, we had guys say that our senior year. I mean, I remember, um, you know, Colin getting up and saying, why not us? We can win every single game. You look at our schedule. We are good enough. And, you know, we got to play really, really well every single game, and we can't take a game off, but we have an opportunity to win every game. Um, and, and we knew we had the talent around us to do that. So I think, um, you know, if you set, if you plan and your goal is to win the Big 12, um, you know, you're going to set yourself up for a very, very good postseason game um, and hopefully find a way 
um, you know, to get into that final playoff. Because, I mean, that would be – shoot, that would be so much fun to see a K-State team go into that final playoff game. Because you know Coach Snyder would find a way to win, win one of those games in, into the playoffs. Oh, it, it would be a dream. I would, I would drop everything I was doing, and I'd make sure I was there. And, oh, my God. Man, oh, I'd leverage the house, would, the car, anything to get there. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd sneak in in your uh, suitcase, and I'd make, sure that, I'd make sure that I was there. So, I think that's, that Coleman quote is one of the best quotes ever to come out in K-State sports history. It's the I mean, best quote since the opportunity it's for the be. greatest turnaround exists here today. It's not one to be taken lightly. That's I mean, I've been – Well, no. Third behind Bob Huggins, why settle for second when first is available? Yeah, right. Andre as, Coleman, number three. As K State, you, I mean, you have to change your mentality. You have to have an, an elite mentality. We're never going to be a blue blood, but why not? We're not. We're not the K State of the '80s. It's not the greatest turnaround anymore. We've been in in the top twenty-five for for two decades. Why not? I mean, we gotta let's keep that going. You can recruit to Manhattan. You just got to try. I mean, yeah. it can it can happen, and I that's an amazing like elite mentality from Andre Coleman, but we can get into the meat unless you have to ask anything to no, add. The only thing I would say is that we don't have any quotes in here. Well, well, we'll get to Travis as well, but I do want to shout out to uh, Eric Hickson. He's back in town. He's getting us in the mix for some Florida four-star guys, just like we were doing back in the heyday. He brought in some coaches that they have re-energized on the recruiting trail, and I think it's time that you know we start bringing in a slightly higher caliber athlete and then Let's make another run at the Big 12. But, Travis, I'll let you get the last word before yeah, we start breaking some stuff. Last up. word, um, just kind of on that Coach Coleman quote, um, you know, we're bowl game, you know, just making a bowl game is not where we need to be. And it, it, I just want to bring up the, the unique coaching situation that K-State's in. I mean, most coaches, if they win six games or seven games, like they're on the hot seat. And the way Coach Snyder's – been here and, and rightfully so he's earned the right like if he has a six-win season and we make a bowl game like he's not going anywhere like that job is his until he doesn't want it anymore and so and as a coach I'm sure you can have a little bit of complacency and and you shouldn't but that they you know hey if we win eight games like I'm my, my family's still getting fed I'm still making you know pretty good money so I think it's nice to see a, a coach especially a coach at the offensive coordinator spot who's gonna have um, some people looking up to him from the coaching staff and the players to have a little bit one, one just one a little bit more. So it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But just it's it's always good to remember K State's a unique coaching situation. There's not another place like it in the world because I mean at the, the back of those coaches' minds they know if they win seven eight games like they're not going anywhere. Where in a lot of places that's not true. So it, it's nice to see a coach that has a little extra hunger out there and a little extra higher expectations. Um, cause I, and I truly believe that, that wasn't lip service. That was 100% from his heart. Definitely. So the last time we had you on, back in Kansas City, we had a lot of fun. Uh, but you did say, hey, come back to me a little bit closer to football season. We'll break down and we'll do a little bit of a football preview. So here we are. We're going to dive into it. Uh, you know, I think all the boneheads are going to love hearing your perspective. So we'll dive in there. We're going to start on the offensive side of the ball. Quarterback battle. Uh, will Hunter Hall be the third string quarterback? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I saw. I saw. Probably. Yeah. There, there was. There are some people out there that are getting mad at the media folks for not talking about the third string. I saw that. I was like, really? Yeah. Like who? Ca- like, sorry, no offense, Hunter, but like, who cares? Or or, <laughs> or Holcomb or Sammy Wheeler. Yeah, so, exactly. I mean, maybe we should be talking about it. But yeah. what everyone is talking about is Skyler or Alex. I don't know how much. 
inside information. I don't know how much you've been able to dive into it, but give us your perspective on how you see the quarterback battle going. And, you know, as we're sitting here, this will air two weeks before the season, but we're sitting here, you know, literally three weeks before game one. Yeah, and first I'd like to say, you know, it's it's a good problem to have. I mean, we have two quarterbacks that could potentially be, I mean, second-team all-conference, honor mention all-conference. I mean, we have two top three quarterbacks in the conference, I would say, on our roster, which is a great problem to have. We haven't had um, that problem and since I can remember. So it seems like we've always had one, and the the, the drop-off was, was pretty quick and pretty steep, and, and it always seemed like our number one always went down about week seven, week eight, and <laughs> we were kind of scrambling. Um, but from a from a player standpoint, I still think Delton's that, that guy. Um, just his athleticism, the way our running backs are there, um, the way our offensive line is, I think we're going to still be K-State, you know, quarterback run game, hand the ball off, quick passes, um, you know, play action passes. So I think from the schematic standpoint, I still think Delton's going to be that guy. I think he'll get the nod week one. Um, but, I mean, I think Skyler plays this year. And I, I worry, and I, I don't think they will from the conversations I've had, but I, I hate the two-quarterback system. I don't want either of them getting playing. You know, you get drive one, I get drive two kind of thing. Um, I hope they, they name a starter and the other one's a true backup, and, you know, he's pushing the other one to earn that starting spot. And um, as we know, with Delton, he's had a little bit of uh, staying healthy issues, um, especially in, you know, the run game. He's going to take some knocks, and he's had some concussion issues. So, um, you know, we're, 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 no matter who gets the start, they're both going to start this year. One of them's going to go down. One of them's going to get banged up. Um, so they both need to be preparing as a starter because at the end of the day, you know, it might be week nine or week ten and we're playing for a Big 12 championship um, or, you know, need to beat someone to, to keep us in the Big 12 championship hunt. And one of those the, – the whoever's number two today is going to be the number one then. So they're both going to get starts. They're both going to get playing time. They both need to be prepared. I think Delton probably gets the nod week one just because of uh, his style of play, not that he's better or worse, but just that he's going to fit into our offense a little better this year. Interesting. Um, Man, I keep going back and forth myself. Um, I tend to lean towards Skyler, but when I think about the Delton issue, it's like I feel like Bill might lean towards Delton because that's his comfort zone. But I don't know. I, in my opinion, Skyler is a better quarterback. He's got a higher ceiling, so I would prefer Skyler. But whoever gets the job done, I, whatever, I'll support whoever's starting. I, I agree with you. I don't want to see a two-quarterback system. But if we were to go into a game, and I know this, it doesn't happen anywhere in college football, but say we're going up against Texas Tech who can't stop the run to save their lives, I, I, I want to see Delton in there. If we're going up against you know Texas for whatever reason, can't stop the pass, I would like to see Skyler. Uh, I know it doesn't work like that, and I know especially in a college football system you need to gain rapport with your team, but, man, you have two what I think borderline elite talents, and I just want to find a way – to a keep them both healthy and both get them on the field, but that's why I don't get paid the big bucks. That's why I'm sitting behind a microphone and not up in a <laughs> playbook. So, yeah, it's a. I mean, it's a good problem. I mean, they're yeah, they're both elite. Yeah, and they're both all conference type quarterbacks, which is really good a good problem to have. So. We we have this problem, and down the road, you know, east on I seventy, they have three quarterbacks who can't play, and they're in a different battle. So I'd prefer to be in this one. Uh, so, and then an- another position battle, something, someplace that we are super deep at. We we have this insane stable of running backs. 
Grant, I, you and I have talked about it. We're big Alex Barnes guys, but you know, there's Mike McCoy, there's Silman, who's a senior, who you know probably not enough respect gets put on his name. Agree. And then you have Dalvin Warmack, who he came back for a reason. He was going to transfer. I was here in Colorado State where he could be, you know, an all-conference guy in the Mountain West, but he came back after talking to Hickson and Coleman, uh, you know, before he sent over to Travis. What do you make of this stable? I mean, I think Barnes is going to be the guy. I think it's going to be mostly Barnes and Silman, honestly. McCoy, it sounds like they're going to try to use him, but like I said, like we touched about on earlier, I just want to see some better organization, better planning, um, not like – we have to give these guys carries because they're on the on the squad. Just have a plan. Go with go with Barnes if he's going to be the best guy, and I think he is the best guy. But and I think Warmack's going to be used differently this year. Um, but obviously, he he liked what Coleman had to say to him, or whoever whoever convinced him to come back. But I just want to see some organization. Yeah, and I see the coaches. Um... You know, the, the coach's thought process on getting lots of guys reps. I mean, it's a long season, and those running backs, they take some big hits. Um, and, and, you know, we don't, as a fan, we don't notice the hits that they're taking in the passing game when they're not getting the ball. Um, you know, there's still some big collisions from the running backs and linebackers protecting that quarterback. So I, I don't mind the, the sharing the ball around, um, but it is hard to, I mean, three guys for sure, possibly four. I mean, that's a lot of guys. I mean, those running backs got to get in a rhythm just like everyone else. Um, and it's nice to always have someone that's fresh. So, I mean, kind of like our last quarterback conversation, it's a good problem to have. Um, you know, a lot of teams don't, you know, they got one and then it's a pretty steep drop off after two. And I've been on teams where it's like that. And, you know, you got your number two doesn't even know the dang playbook. So, you know, they call a pass play and he needs, you know, quarterbacks telling him where to go. And it's like, come on, man, like this is football one-on-one. You need to know your stinking playbook. Um, so these guys all have experience. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they find a way to, how and if they find a way to get McCoy in there. Um, you know, I know he's got quite a bit of talent, they think. Um, and, yeah, with Warmack, I'm I'm kind of with you, Grant. Like, what did they say? What did they promise? Are they going to be able to uphold that promise? Or is he going to be a, you know, not a cancer, but, you know, have a bad attitude in week four when he's not getting there, if he's not getting the reps? Because, um, cause, yeah, I mean, it's it'll be an interesting dynamic because everyone wants, everyone wants carries, everyone wants the ball, and everyone thinks they're the best, and you have to have that mentality, um, you know, to play at this level. So it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out, but I, I probably agree. Barnes is probably the, the number one. He's going to get the, the majority, and I think he'll probably get the, you know, first snap of the game, Barnes run to the right. will probably be the, probably be the call. <laughs> well, and then I, one last quote we keep coming back to. I, see, and I wish Snyder would let the coordinators have more media availability because it's another Andre Coleman quote. He said that he wouldn't be surprised if we saw Warmack get more receptions than carries this year. So, And that's the way I, I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him as a scat back, maybe play in the slot a little bit, some screen passes. There's going to be, you know, a lot of creative things you can do with him. So I think that's how we will use him. Yeah, and I'd agree. I mean, you look at the wide receiver depth chart. I mean, there's there's two or three guys there that, that I feel comfortable with. But after that, I'm looking at a lot of names that yeah. I'm like, who the heck are you? Speaking Where of deep drop-off. Yeah, yeah, and so we got three guys. And so Warmack's probably going to be that fourth guy that comes in on, um, you know, four four receiver type packages. And um, obviously if someone goes down, he might find himself in, a, you know, that third wide receiver slot role. Um, which is, you know, 70% of our plays. We have three wide receivers, one tight end. Um, so so it's he might find himself in that slot wide receiver role, um, you know, more often than not, especially if someone goes down. Do you think we're going to utilize the tight end position more offensively this season? No. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, un- unfortunately, <laughs> I mean, I mean, utilize as in utilizing the run game, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, it's just it, it's unfortunate and, and kind of frustrating that because I mean, I think there's a quote about tight ends the back tight in the nineties were freaking studs. I mean, they were awesome. And I literally, I mean, I got used a decent fair amount. I mean, they kept me relatively happy. You know, no. I always think I should have got the ball. You, hey, you, more, you got but, used enough to make my fantasy squad as my starting tight end. So. Hey, that, that's all you can ask I for. I felt like, see, I felt, <laughs> when I mean, when, when I was going there, I felt like every time we went to the tight end, it's like, oh, Travis is out now, so we're just going to go to the tight end when he's not playing. Yeah, but I mean, but even since, I mean, there's been a steep, steep drop-off. I mean, I know. It almost seems like it's, it's switched to the like fullback. A, like. Well, we started to, to the, utilize the fullback in the pass game over the tight end. Passing to the fullback, end. and we've used the tight end as a third tackle. Yeah. Well, I don't think we'll have that fullback issue anymore. <laughs> oh, that's weird. <laughs> that is weird. I wonder what's changed. What yeah. has changed? I, we are all in on going going all in on that, if yeah. you want. No, no. Okay. Let's avoid right, we'll move on. We'll move on. <laughs> hey, all, all, all I have to say before we move on from that, if you want to see some high-quality fullback play, there's a team down in El Paso, Texas, that is going to feature the fullback quite a bit. But, <laughs> but we'll move on from the tight end. The Probably the most hyped and preseason decorated uh, squ- part of the team is the offensive line. I saw a mock draft that had Dalton Reisner going fifth overall. And that you know, f- number five pick that is generational money. Uh, but we'll 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 wait on wait wait on talking about that. But what do you think this offensive line can do? And with returning all five starters, we've heard a lot about Josh Rivas. So if you could also touch on maybe Josh and if he might be competing for one of those guard spots. Yeah. Um. I mean, whenever you have all five guys coming back, I mean that offensive line crew. I mean they're a pretty tight knit group. I mean they're. You know they're big, they're ugly, they're tough. They're 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 just they're they're unique individuals. Um, they have to have that mentality. Um, and so whenever you can get them, not only do they need to be good athletes and good players, but whenever you can get them um, on a personal and emotional level, all in together and team, because they get they I mean they get asked to um, you know do some difficult things and summer conditioning is really tough for them. I mean they get asked to do stuff that the wide receivers are doing and they're carrying two hundred extra pounds than they are. Um, so, so whenever you can get those guys on board and the more time you spend with your teammates, obviously, um, you know, the more, hopefully you like them, which I think this crew does. Um, but no, whenever you can have all five of those guys back, I mean, it's going to be a very tight knit crew. They're all going to be knowing where they're going. No one's having to tell anyone what to do. Um, they're all just reacting and playing fast and, and playing confident. So I'm really excited about the soul line. I think, uh, uh, you know, coach Coleman and, and, and company is going to lean on them a lot. We're going to, you know, be a run, run first team. Um, and, and kind of expect those guys to, to move the line of scrimmage and be able to run the ball, which should open up the pass. So I'm excited to see what this O-line does this year. And then we also have, at least in my opinion, two of the best tackles in college football. And I would say there's probably not a better duo in the Big 12, maybe in the nation. I touched on uh, you know Dalton Reisner being a possible you know top 10 NFL pick. But then you have Scott France, who has you – know, been through a lot we we won't necessarily touch on all that in this podcast but you know he put the top draft talent in his back pocket back when we played texas a&m he had a great season last year he's now coming into his third year you know starting two and a half of those three years or one and a half of those previous two years what are those two on the outside going to bring to the confidence of this offensive line 
I mean, as as you know, and probably most of the most of the boneheads know. I mean, those tackle jobs position. I mean, it's so important. I mean, you can you can hide a guard, you can hide can't really hide a center, but if you can have a center and two tackles, like you you can move the ball, you can pass the ball, you can run the ball, you can hide those guards. But um, when you have two, and I know you mentioned, I mean, they're statistically, I mean, they've been oh, yeah. ranked. I mean, they are one two. I mean, and as as a tandem, I, I think I saw a stat sometime over the summer like statistically they are the best offensive tackle in the country yeah that Um, was a pro football focus graded both of those two as two of the top 10 returning college tackles which for a team we are the number one team for tackles so um no it's unbelievable and just i mean they got the leadership behind them um you know obviously with with friends you know they've been through a lot they're um from an emotional standpoint and um so so yeah they're gonna they're going to kick butt this year. It's going to be awesome. Um, it's going to be fun to watch. They're, they have confidence. You see what um, you know. You see what Reisner does in his off season to follow him on on all the social medias, and he just seems like such a good guy, which you love to see. I mean, he's out there doing anything and everything in the community and trying to help young kids. And so, when you see guys like that, it's so hard. I mean, a I'd root for them anyways because they're K State, but um, you know, even for opposing t- fans, I'm sure they love seeing a guy that's you know all about you know kids that are sick and. Um, you know, people that need help financially and anything and everything, um, he's doing to to make sure. Um, man, it's IPA is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So someone has the beer burps. The over. beer burps over here. Um, but no, no, the, both of them. I'm really, really excited to see play because they are top notch. And you know, obviously, Reisner is probably you know a step ahead um, of France. But still, I mean, shoot, I would have loved to play next to either of them. And I got to play next to you know Cody White here. Um, you know, who was in that caliber of, of Reisner. I don't know. Um, you know where Rise will end up going, but they're both. You know, all three of those guys are are awesome, and they're gonna, they're going to move the line of scrimmage, and that's what we need. Definitely, you got you got admire what Charlie Dickey's been able able to do with that offensive line, and you know, hopefully, we keep it going. I think there's another offensive tackle out Lawrence Free State that I'd sure love uh, to get our hands on, but we're not necessarily a recruiting podcast, so we'll move on to the <laughs> defensive side of the ball. So, defense, there's a lot of question marks on this unit, but there's also a lot of good returning big names that are encouraging. Let's start with one of our big names that is also – he's a big name, but he's also got um, a little bit of a question mark on his on his head. Reggie Walker, what kind of year do you expect from him? I mean, I expect him to pick up right where he left last year and then some. I mean, he's, you know, going into his third year. That that third year is a big uh, third year playing. That third year is a huge year. I mean, I remember I started as a sophomore and then, um, you know, messed up a lot of stuff as a freshman <laughs> and then messed up a lot of stuff as a sophomore and then junior, you know, 90% of it was right. And then by that senior year, your third year, um, you know, it's it's you're, you're doing it in your sleep Automatic. basically. Yeah, in your sleep and you're just reacting, especially on defense. I mean, you, you cannot be thinking. You just have to be playing um so no i'm excited everything we've seen coming from coaches has been positive about him for the most part um so no he's got all the physical tools um i think he's in the right system he'll be able to make an impact this year i I think that you know i mean he had that big year as a freshman and last year he had spent a lot of time not at full strength health wise and of course as a freshman he had jordan willis on the other side (laughs) of the line that people had to focus on that does help (laughs) but he did show that yeah i mean he's a he's a specimen he's gonna be good He's going to be full health, and I think that we're going to have some other guys that are going to step up on the line too. I think he's going to have a big year. Speaking of other guys, who do you expect to play in that second defensive end spot? People are talking about Kyle Ball, Boom Massey. There's also a couple freshmen that it sounded like are pushing for a little bit of playing time. Who do you expect to get most of those snaps opposite of Reggie Walker? Oh, I mean, 
It's kind of defense can be a little tricky just because they will rotate a little rotate bit. quite a bit. So I could see um, you know some rotation going on at that offense or that um, opposite side um, from him. Probably Kyle Ball though. I see kind of being the front runner um, should be able to you know lock that spot at least get the starts and then defense is so too i mean depending on who you i mean they'll change they'll change starting lineups depending on who you're playing um depending on you know whether they're going to pass or because they'll change the starting defense um you know they might start in a nickel or start in a two deep or a one deep so um it'll be interesting to see how that plays out but i mean i don't see um you know i don't see reggie missing too many snaps and um you know they'll, they'll plug in other guys as long as reggie can stay healthy to, to take care of that defensive line on the inside, we're losing uh, Topeka Cat, one of the greatest defensive tackles. I think he was either a two- or three-time All-Big 12 selection, Will Gary. So he is now leaving that spot. Who's going to step up and fill that, you know, five-foot-eight bowling ball-sized gap in the middle of the defensive line? Well, yeah, the five-foot-eight. <laughs> Hopefully we can find someone a little bigger because as good as Will Gary was – I, if he would have been six foot, he would have been a lot better. <laughs> if, if he was six foot, he might have been a third round draft. Pick. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, I mean, I think Trey, Trey Deshaun's right there um, to step in and fill his shoes. I know coaches have um, sung his praises and you know, kind of kind of said, Where, "Where's this been <laughs> the last you know two three years?" And and it's always kind of sometimes players it just clicks, sometimes they get confidence, sometimes um, you know the they just get the opportunities. So. Um, for whatever reason, he's been he's been raising coaches' eyebrows, and um, you know I think he'll definitely. I mean, Will Geary's as short as he was. I'm assuming he had small feet. So as small as his shoes probably were, <laughs> uh, I, I gotta I gotta believe Trey, Trey will be able to fill those shoes. And you know it's it's gonna be tough to Will Geary was pretty stinking good for for how for his stature. So it, it'll be interesting to see. I'm a short guy and I wear a 12 and a half. So not all of us have tiny feet. So <laughs> I just, I'll just throw that out there. I got pretty small feet, but that's it's not relevant. Um, <laughs> you know probably, what they say about uh, small feet? Yeah, well, small yeah, socks. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, probably the biggest question mark on the defensive unit is the linebackers. Um, are we going to see improvement? One, that's question one. Two is what do you think is more important, athleticism and talent, or football IQ and those sound fundamentals? Especially if you have to have one. If I had to have one. Because there's clearly a stark difference between the two units this year and last year in terms of, like, athleticism. Yeah. No. I I would say, yes, I think they'll improve. Um, First question. Um, I think Blake with – Man, beer burp. Holy cows. <laughs> there's that. I need, I need a mute India, button on this mic. <laughs> there's that India pale ale straight from India. I mean, Hayes, Kansas. Hayes, Kansas. Um, Is that curry getting you? <laughs> oh, geez. Um, but no, I mean, I, I definitely they'll improve. I mean, Blake, especially now with him running, um, you know, at, at the top of the defensive side of the ball, um, he's a great coach. I was able to. Obviously, Blake was on the other side of the ball, but yeah, how legit is Blake Siler? I'm really excited about him. He's the best. (laughs) I've seen some of those videos the athletic department been tweeting. I was just like, this guy is the real deal. Yeah, and like the total package. I mean, like looks, former player, his jawline, phenomenal. You could you could cut. You're seeing with a shirt off. (laughs) (laughs) X-rated Bosco's boys. Ow! Another another Bosco's boys raw. <laughs> just from a, I mean, he was a former 
electrical engineer or civil engineer or something way smarter than me. Um, so, you know, he's got the brains. He's got the social skills. He's got the appearance. I mean, he totally – I mean, he definitely has. He's got the work ethic. He has the total package. I mean, ever since uh, – I think he showed up maybe my freshman or sophomore year. He kind of had to – he was down in Wichita working a normal 9 to 5 um, and, and missed football, wanted to get back into football. And he, a lot of coaches end up in football because that's all they can do. Blake could have done anything in the world, and he chose football. And those are the ones that really rise to the top and, and get to that defensive coordinator at such a young age, especially under a Bill Snyder program. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he finds himself a head coach, um, head coaching job sometime, hopefully not too soon, but um, down the road. The sky's the limit for him. He's awesome. You know, his wife Inga's awesome. She's been a part of that program. Um, so I'm, I'm, there's no one better since I've been here at on the defensive side of the ball um, from a – Personal standpoint, emotional, social, I mean, intellectual, everything. Blake's the total package. I will give you a shout-out. The first time you came on, you mentioned him as a possible head football coach at K-State. Since then, he's become almost a sexy pick for some media folks to say, hey, he might be the next guy. You're in front of all of them. So don't, sure. sell, your, don't sell your brains too short. You're, you're, calling that before, <laughs> you're calling that before anyone else. Yeah, well, I had the – inside information of playing for him so <laughs> yeah. i got to see how good he actually was when he was a ga making you know nothing when he was volunteering his time so i saw how hard he worked then i can only imagine what he's doing now let's stick with blake siler and then we'll come back to the secondary blake had a quote about wanting to be like possibly more aggressive to what extent do you think that means more aggressive strategies what do you expect i mean i think i think all defensive coaches would love to be aggressive <laughs> Uh, but that means you're putting your cornerbacks on islands, and, and so. But with K State, we know exactly what that means. I think. I mean, yeah, that means like two blitzes a game instead, like, of, instead of one. <laughs> two blitzes a Let's game. Let's not get only eight yards a off. Ten yard so cushion. Cut yeah. it to eight. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. Um, no, I mean, I think all defensive coaches want that, but they also want to put their players in situations that, that can give them a chance to succeed. So we'll see how the, the cornerbacks and the safeties progress throughout the year. Um, you know, if you can leave one of them on an island, well, then, yeah, you can, you can blitz, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40% of the time. Right. Um, but that's, that's really hard to do in college football, especially in a pass-happy uh, you know, Big 12 tight where teams are pretty stinking good at throwing the ball and throwing the quick stuff, and you can get caught pretty easily in the big 12 and you know if you just stick in your base defense it's a four or five seven yard gain if you bring someone and you get caught they run a little slant it's a touchdown yeah. so i mean i i see the thought process i see the frustration I mean, i'm sure they would love to blitz every single down because that's a whole lot of fun but <laughs> they know if they can just slow play it a little bit and let the other team make the mistake um you know then then you know they'll keep points off the board which at the end of the day that's what yeah, really yeah. matters well, so what i foresee I don't know if there's going to be that much change, but I foresee he said he wanted to be smarter on third down. And I think hopefully what I want to see is more just disguise because if K-State's going to blitz, you know they're going to blitz. Yeah. It's extremely obvious. You have a linebacker going up, he's standing on the line, and it's like they pick it up every single time. On third down, we got an eight-yard cushion when it's third and five. It makes no sense. Yeah. So I would just like to see better strategy, and I think obviously Blake's sounds like a really smart guy, so maybe he'll be able to figure that yeah. out. Yeah, I would agree with that. I know Kansas State, I mean, when we would go ones and one, ones versus ones, and a lot of teams do this, but, I mean, you can – if you don't realize it the first year you're playing, but by the time you're playing your second and third season, I mean, you're seeing that defense cheat pre-snap. I mean, the two seconds before the ball is going to be snapped – 
those safeties are cheating, those corners, linebackers are cheating to where they need to be because the blitz is coming. So if you can have some guys that aren't cheating and like yeah. it just looks like a basic old vanilla defense and all of a sudden someone's coming, that last two, one second, two second, split second reaction time that that offense gets, the good offenses pick it up like it's nothing because they had a two-second warning um, where if you can just send guys, and maybe they're a step behind in coverage, but you know what? Hopefully they're good enough athletes where – um, where the ball is not perfectly thrown, and they'll they'll be able to ca- they'll be able to you know catch up. Yeah. Um, so I, I agree with you, Grant. I definitely think I would like to see a little more disguise because sometimes like I see a blitz coming a m- yeah. ten seconds before the ball snap. I mean, like, look, come on, I'm, anyone can pick that. I'm up. I'm fine with the bend don't break strategy because it does work for us, but it's like you can't give them everything. Like it right. just seems like we we give them whatever they want, and yeah. it's like I feel like we surrender at least one or two first downs before we decide. Okay. Now is when we're going to try to stop you on third down. And yes, that's extreme, I, and I know that. I used to always think that the first drive was just like, okay, they're going to score on this first drive. Yeah, it right. happened every time. Let's just see what they're doing. Yeah, I swear to God, <laughs> hey guys, it, play seventy percent. I swear, we could like go back and watch a lot of games, and it's like the first drive, it's like boom, they're down the field instantly, and and then we adjust, and it it does work, I guess, but it's like. And this, I guess, is a perfect segue into the secondary, which yeah, you can I, take. Yeah, and so. While we said it sometimes works, statistically it was the worst passing defense in the Big 12 last year. Is that going to improve? And then as a byproduct of it, do you think last year was more a the system not quite working out? Or was it we just didn't quite have the players or the depth of players to not be the worst in the Big 12 when it came to surrendering passing yards? I mean, I definitely think – I mean, I definitely think it was the system. I mean, that was that was the goal was to give up a lot of yards, but don't give up a lot of points. Um, I mean, obviously, coach would love to give up no yards and no points, but if you got to pick pick one out of the other, you'd rather give up yards than points. And statistically, they did a pretty good job of keeping keeping teams under, um, you know, under their their scoring average. So um, I'll, I'll be curious to see though. I mean, Coach Norwood's. I mean, I've never had any. I've never spoken to the man. We have no. I, I said hi to him yeah. earlier. Didn't I mean, it'll be curious. I'll be curious to see from what I've seen from the outside looking in. He seems like he's got his stuff together. He knows what he's doing. He's going to get those guys playing. Um, so, so that's a big question mark for me from the coaching staff standpoint. Is who is Coach Norwood? What's he going to do? How's he going to get these guys ready? What's his style going to be? Is he going to? Every coach. You know, the techniques are basically that everyone coaches are 80% the same. But every time, you know, every once in a while, a coach has a different wrinkle on something. So it'll be curious to see if he can find a little bit of an edge um, for, for some of those cornerbacks to um, to find a way to, to play a little tighter coverage um, and not have to be such a soft, um, you know, so soft when we're playing you know, at the line of scrimmage. So um, it'll be fun to see because I'm excited to see that. And, you know, we've had some pretty uh, – vanilla defenses the last you know handful of years and some pretty predictable type coverages and so um i i think they'll i think they'll surprise us they're they're gonna throw some wrinkles in when it comes to secondary we know it's gonna be goolsby and kendall adams uh and back there kendall adams has gotten a couple shouts and some preseason big 12 teams and then cornerback we know it's at least going to be duke shelley A.J. Parker is returning. Do you say, see him taking that second corner spot, or is he going to slide in at nickel? Or if he does take one or the other, who will be the third cornerback slash nickel guy? Well, I would say, <laughs> yeah, I think all those guys will, will get plenty of playing time. Um, 
do not have my defensive depth chart in front of me. Uh, do, do, do you get one of those? Can you? I, I promise. No, not it's not it out, out yet. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I'm looking at. Oh, uh, like, there's a depth chart out there. There's a spring depth chart, which is basically good enough. I did not bring it. So there's probably one pinned up somewhere in the veneer. Oh, I'm sure I could walk in there and snap a snag right. a picture of it right. real quick. We, I won't. I won't publish it. Just send it my send way. Send it to so, you, so I can so I can be on there and be like, oh, so and so is looking really good this yeah, off season. Split at up corner. from five to three. Yeah. So it, it, um, but no, those, and the thing about depth charts is, I mean, they're so fluid. I mean, I remember I'd walk in and I'd be number one. I'd walk in, I'd be number three because coach got mad at me. <laughs> so did he really, was he really trying to send a message? Oh, Travis had a bad practice. So I'm putting him behind a couple All of a sudden you're Rudy. Lines. I don't know if it was coach Snyder or my, my position coach who was just doing it. Cause he knew that would fire me up and get me to, and you know, it wasn't an effort thing. I mean, I was always doing the best I could, of but of course you put just, in full effort. Like you do on the Bosco's boys. Podcast. Exactly. Exactly. The so. official podcast of Travis Stanhill and, Kansas State Wildcats. Whoa. <laughs> whoa, whoa. No, that might get us in trouble. We might be some licensing issues there. Yeah. Um, we'll, but, we'll see. We're, we're buddies with Gene now. If you, hey, if you yeah. haven't heard our last podcast, we're, you should go back and listen. Yeah. But no, back to uh, – circling back to the secondary. I mean, the names you mentioned, though, I mean, there's some talent there. There's some guys that, that have the capabilities, um, you know, to play man-to-man coverage. I mean, I remember even when I was playing, we had some we had some pretty darn good quarterbacks and – um, and they would still make him play eight yards off. And I'm like, I've seen these guys cover guys. You know, I, I've seen these guys cover Tyler Lockett man-to-man in practice. I've seen, I've seen these guys cover Chris Harper man-to-man in practice. Like, let them – it's almost like in the past the coaches were scared to, like, even let them fail. Like, it was like, well, no, you're letting them fail by giving them a 10-yard cushion and they're just going to run 10 yards and turn around and catch the ball and get I mean, a first down. God, I'd much rather I'd much rather give up a big play and at least try and be to be aggressive. Don't be aggressive every time, obviously, but – when you're just giving up the ten yards every time, you let them do whatever you want. You let a quarterback get comfortable. Yeah. It's, it's really it was no, so frustrating. I don't mind big play. I mean, and, and, we, games, and we still I mean, give up big plays. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. That that's that, the point. It's so like, at least that is the point because take a at chance. least up until last year and some of the previous years, we weren't necessarily giving them up, but we did give up about one per game at least yeah. big touchdown play. So if you're going to be doing that one per game anyways, maybe let them battle a little and that's, bit. But. Yeah, I mean, that's a product of, you know, the Big 12, and there's so many good wide receivers in this conference. Yeah. But still, it's like you can't give – you cannot give people 10 yards. You can't give these quarterbacks time to just do whatever the hell yeah. they want. And when you play so soft, then they catch the ball, and you're eight yards from them the funny, they catch yeah, the ball. That's and the, then they can make you miss. And then exactly. they miss – you know, they juke you, and then they're gone. Or the only time we blitz – you see, it's like, all right, we're going to blitz here. But we're still playing cut. We're still playing ten yard cushion. So yeah. it's like okay, he can dump it off. He, yeah. he doesn't need time. We're one man short. Exactly, and the, and the help because he's got Blake Siler is going to sort us out. Shoot, in Blake we trust. In Blake we trust. Speaking of trust, there's been a lot of trust into good old Sean Snyder. You're one of his, you know, biggest defenders of everyone we've had on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, we just lost our long snapper, our kickoff specialist, our place kicker, and punter. Do you have anything? To tell the boneheads. <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned what he's not saying. We, we, we discussed the, the outline before the, the podcast, and I was like, who's got anything for special teams? And they both were like, nope. No. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it total is. I mean, I think it's open tryouts, basically, for, for special teams. I think Sean, I know he's brought in um, there was that a Juco kid. kid. Yeah. And then there was some kid from Colorado we brought in as a walk-on who's, you know, doing kickoffs, place kicking and punting. I can't remember his yeah. name right now. So, but. I'm not – I'm not too worried just because I know 
Sean's a good enough coach, and and Bill puts enough emphasis on it that I mean we're going to be average. It's not going to be a, a negative for for Kansas State's program. It just might not be the positive that it usually is. Um, you know they're still going to focus on it. They're going to put the time and the and the schematics into it to make it at least a neutral. Um, but unfortunately, in Kansas State, um, you know sometimes they need that that extra touchdown or that punt block or that field goal block to win the game. So, um, so it'll be interesting to see what Sean can, what Sean can get out of those guys. Cause I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's a whole new stinking roster and, and really we don't know anything from a media standpoint or from a, uh, from a fan standpoint. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see who stinking comes out there day one. Cause it's going to be, give me the pronunciation guide. Cause I've never heard of this kid and, and they're not letting too much come out right now. So I don't know. Hopefully that's not a sign that they're struggling um, and it's going to be a dun. negative. Yeah, but no, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, hopefully it'll just make us go for fourth down more, which I like anyways. So um, uh, kick, kick kick, the extra point and let's go on it. Go for it on fourth down. Uh, th- this isn't on the outline, so forgive me for swinging this on you. Any thoughts on the new kickoff rule? You can fair catch inside the 25 and get it on the 25. <clears throat> no thoughts. Um I see what they're trying to do and, you know, they're trying to, you know, help player safety and have more touchbacks and whatnot. Um, I don't see that affecting K-State. I mean, shoot, I think if it's at the goal line or two, three yards in, I mean, we're taking it out. So I think Kansas State views that as a, as an opportunity to, to get extra, extra yardage. So I don't see it affecting Kansas State very much. Right. I don't either. Well, I think it's going to affect our coverage unit because we were statistically the best kickoff coverage unit in the nation last year. And, we were pinning folks inside the twenty more times than right. Last yeah. Year. So I guess I didn't know. I could see you, guys fair catching yeah, against us. Yeah. So I, I'll be interested to see if Sean can cook up any sort of squib kick strategies or something, trying to put the ball on the ground and you know try to force something. It'll it'll be interesting. Um, one other thing that we've been so great at, we've had a kick return or a punt return for a touchdown almost every year since Vietnam. <laughs> Um, we lost our two best returners in Pringle and Reed. Who do you think will step in to be the next great K-State kickoff returner and punt? Great is probably uh, – They've all been great. When's I know. the last time we have and, 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 and all – I don't think, I think it matters. Been, I don't think it's going to yeah, matter. And, and that's that's where I'm going. Is like That scheme is so good, and, and it's coached so well. And, I mean, you just put someone back there who runs a 4-4 – or a four, four, five, and like it's gonna work. That's the aspect of the special teams that I'm not worried about. Yeah. We don't have returner names that are gonna be that are like popping out in the media, but whoever slots in, if they have speed yeah, at all, be fine. it's gonna be okay. The only thing I'm worried about is the kicking game. Yeah, because if, like you said earlier, we have a very small margin of error, and those that sometimes that wins us the game. Right. So. Not having a kicker is not a not something you want to be festering. I've right. seen that derail good teams' yeah. seasons. Like if you don't have a kicker, you're in trouble. Yeah. So I because it can lose hoping, your game. And I mean, then I hope someone steps goes up. down. And um, we had that problem back in 2001, 2002, even when we had a great team, 2002, and we were coming off a season where we had so many kicking problems, and it it even bled into 2002 a little bit. That's why we lost to Texas in 02. Uh, I don't want to talk. That's one of the not talked about painful <laughs> losses of K-State history pass, 02 Texas. That's all right. That, we're we're going to move on from that. And, Travis, again, apologies for not putting this on here, but we've done a opposing fan series where we've talked to a fan from every single school in the Big 12. 
and we've asked them these same questions to end the podcast. Um, we've talked about tons of players on offense and defense, so we don't have to go into that. But tell us right now, who do you see playing in Arlington that first weekend in December for the Big 12 championship? Well, <laughs> for sure, OU. <laughs> Boomer Sooner. It's very, very safe bet. Very safe Boomer bet. Sooner. Um, Boomer Sooner. Boomer State? Sooner. Whoa! Whoa. Hey, hey. I hope. I hope. No. Um, I, I'd love that. I'd love to see a rematch. I would of love three. to see that. Um, I mean, yeah, that, that's a tough two you, spot. You would be the first to pick it. I, I, I mean, I, I definitely think OU's has been and probably deserves to be in that number one spot. Um, it's like KU in basketball. Until they lose it, you yeah, got and, to and basically... Until they prove us wrong, you have to slot them in there. What, um... And God, they're recruiting insanely. Well, did K, I, I remember, I think, was K-State like five or six? So there six. were five or six, but we had two first-place votes. Shout-out to Jesus uh, Mendoza of the Longhorn Sports Network. We ride <laughs> we, we ride with Jose – or not Jose, excuse me. Jesus. Jesus. We yeah. ride with Jesus of the Spanish Longhorn Network. He was one of them. We yeah. don't know who number two was. I'm sure he's, he's the tired of beat by <laughs> The Bosco's boys are always asking themselves, what would Jesus do? Jesus yeah. – we – we need to reach out to Jesus and get him on the pod before the Texas. That game. would actually so, be legitimate. Jesus, I know you're a bonehead. You listen. Reach out. Slide in the Twitter DMs or Bosco's boys. No joke. That's a great idea. GM. We should talk to Jay Kurtz because he's the one that was like, yes, yeah. that would be great. Yeah. Kurtz can kick rocks. We <laughs> don't have any awesome. beef with Jay Kurtz, but nah. that would be our way to get in with Jesus. That would be a great guest. Yes. yes. All right. That'd be awesome. So now everyone knows we're going to try to get Jesus yeah. on, but that's around where we picked. We did have two first place votes. Uh, so are you going to go on the record and put K-State in that number two spot? I'll put K-State in the number two spot. Boom. I, I don't see, go. I mean, it's going to be wide open and, and K-State has proven time and time again that they're going to win a couple games that they maybe shouldn't have or find a way to squeak out some tough games. Um, I mean, I don't see – I mean, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, the, the the ones that are slotted there in that two through four through five. I mean, I just – I think come down to the line, I think this K-State team is going to be better than them, and they're going to find a way to win. Um, and so, no, I think K-State could be at that number two spot and shoot maybe number one spot if they find a way to pick off OU. So That's what I love to Damn. hear. Damn. <laughs> That's what I love to hear. We ride with Travis Tannehill. That's what I love to hear. Um, so we heard all that. Are you going to go as far as going on the record and making your prediction as K-State Big 12 champions, or are you going to stick with Oklahoma? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I got friends on that coaching staff. <laughs> no. Uh, Do it. Take them. It's only going to be cemented in history forever on this as podcast. A, as a, as a, the, the greatest prediction of all time. No, I mean, like you said, until OU proves me wrong, I think you have to go with OU. I mean, they're, they've done it time and time again. They've been a top 10 program for the last 5, 7, 10 years. We've been a top 25 program for the last 5, 7, 10 years. Um, and, and so until Kansas State can find a way to – get even with them um, or OU slides for whatever reason. I mean, I'm, I'm still, if, if we're putting cash money on the table, I'm going OU. <laughs> I actually think Kyler Murray is going to struggle this year. I don't know why. I just have that feeling. I don't know. I don't think he's, I don't think he's the player that people think he is. Hmm. Well, I think he's going to struggle. That's my, that's my bold hot take. But, man, the closer we get to the season, I just feel like, I don't know why, maybe it's the romanticism of a new season that happens every year. You feel like 
we can be good. We can be great. But it's We're all like, undefeated. It's the inner the energy Not of the new KU, staff. They lost their spring game. True. My thought process is, if this team can stay healthy, I think they can win ten games. I really do. Yeah. All right. That. that yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, that's a bold prediction. There's too many question marks on the defensive side of the ball for me to for me to get there yet. So, well, that, that does bring you. We're going to force you to put a predicted record on the table for the KSU Fighting Varsity Football Wildcat Program 2018. What is our record? Oh boy, this is all just ad libbed at this point. Yep. Let's which go. Which is fine. Yeah, which is good. He was. We're doing great for time. I need, I need to think if we are we going to beat Mississippi State or not. All right, tell gonna, it. I'm going to go guess. Okay, boom. Um, That's a three and zero non gone. Love yeah, that prediction. Um, I'm going to go nine. Nine wins. Nine wins. Yeah. So going into bowl game, nine wins. Okay, so you're you're going to say six and three gets that number two spot in the Big Twelve. Some weird tiebreakers. Shoot, no, yeah, yeah, maybe contradict I mean, myself. Well, yeah, because I mean, <laughs> you you, I mean, you put it out there, so I'd yeah, because that'd be two through four, five. It could be like, yeah, that. it could be crazy. Yeah. That that's a six and three team in the yeah, that's not bad. I'll stick with nine. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. I'll nine, stick with nine. So nine wins. I would take that right now. That is going so, to put us, so hard. That's probably going to put us, I would say, in the Alamo Bowl versus a Pac twelve team. Which the Pac-12 sucks, so that's a ten-win hey, season. Exactly, ten wins that's is a, good. That's Told a you 10 guys, four season, ten wins with is a good. with a Big Twelve championship. Yeah. Uh, that's me being conservative. Optimistically, yeah. I'm hoping ten or eleven. Obviously, but Th- there we go. What um, what's Vegas got us at? Seven, six and a half. <laughs> Easy money. Throw I mean, it on the table. I mean, that is. I- <laughs> Yeah, I know. But then we're going three and zero going into October. <laughs> Bet the farm, folks. You heard it here. Shoot. Travis Tanhill says, "Mortgage the house, the golden retriever, your car, and your mama's engagement ring, and put it all on the cats over six and cats a half. Cats over. Cats over. We'll take it. Um, and then you know, before we wrap up, we wanted to give you an open mic to give us one great story that you didn't give us the first time. Some of your stories have gone borderline viral amongst the boneheads. <laughs> the story about the bad hot dog on your first bowl trip, how you found out Ron Prince got fired. Give us another one. Yeah, do you, okay. mean, do you have anything? I mean, give, yeah. We're thirsty for another good story. And don't worry. You're gonna come on again. All right. So uh, don't, you, you know, I, don't I give a, don't give us all of them. I'll Save give you a, a minus material. Not G- a yes, plus give material. us a minus material. So give us your best a minus story. So do you guys remember Matt Klein's surgery? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, look yes, at South. Absolutely. Grad, played a tackle, offensive line for us, tackle guard, kind of bounced around a little bit. So um, in the old facility, there was a a cold tub within the, the training room, and it was. It wasn't in like, you know, there's the locker room where, you know, a bunch of guys are changing and showering and all that. And then there was the training room, which there's female trainers and um, and everything else. So Matt Klein's orgy, first day of freshman year, shows up summer. You know, he wa- walking in his towel, going over to the cold tub. He gets in that cold tub, and he is butt naked. <laughs> <laughs> and he did not realize that the cold tub, like, you're supposed to wear shorts. <laughs> and so we gave him such a hard time that he was butt naked. Getting in the cold tub, um, and you know there was it was all a bunch of guys around, so no one, nothing, no harm, no foul. But it was like, dude, you gotta put some clothes on. <laughs> like, and he, like, there's there's a clear door that you have to go through that goes from like the the changing area locker room to the like 
we have female trainers locker room and he went through that door with a towel on with nothing underneath so it was uh that was pretty funny stuff like that happens more often than not i didn't think the trainers had to um you know spell out every single rule like hey you need to wear compression shorts or shorts when you get into the cold tub but <laughs> apparently they do because when you're a freshman you don't know anything <laughs> i feel like you wouldn't want to get in the tub after matt yeah, there was. You definitely don't go head under. That's for sure. You, you, oh, you, no. I, I was a waist under guy. Some guys were, you know, chest under or whatever, all up to the neck. And I, I never was never man enough to. to I just wanted to. There's save no the point legs. to go head under. I mean, yeah. Well, they wanted the shoulder guys that have bad shoulders. They'd want the shoulders uh, to get iced. But I was like, I'll throw an ice pack on my shoulder and yeah, the, keeping the nipples warm. <laughs> Maybe it makes a big difference. And then before we let you plug whatever you want, just. For everyone out there, paint a picture of what is going through these guys' heads. It's we're you know we're taping this on what August tenth. Uh, you know, fall camp just opened. They're getting ready for the season. What what is it like being in that locker room? Because you know we haven't been in there. Most of the boneheads haven't been in there. Just give us a quick picture. What is going through their head at this point, getting ready for the season? I mean, it kind of depends on what stage of your career you're in. I mean, when you're a freshman, I mean, I remember like I was in sneaking survival mode. I was like, holy cows, my body's never been this tired my whole entire life. My coach, I swear he hates me. He just yells at me all the time because I'm messing up all the time and I don't know the plays, um, which rightfully so, like I deserved it. But, um, so, you know, freshman year, I mean, you're, you're in survival mode. And by the time you're a sophomore and a junior, especially your junior, senior year, I mean, you know what's coming. You're not having to, you know, get done with practice at 10 and study your playbook till midnight, you already know the playbook. So um, it's a lot more enjoyable and relaxing those junior and senior year. Cause then you can just focus on getting better, um, you know, protect or, or perfecting your craft, um, staying healthy, making sure your body's getting the right rest and the right, um, you know, the right nutrients. So, I mean, it's an exciting time. I mean, like, like we just mentioned as fans, you get to go into the season, you know, we're all undefeated. The, like the possibilities are endless. And as a player, you're the same way. I mean, it's, Oh my goodness! Like, it doesn't matter how bad you are. Like I yeah. feel that every year, like this is we're gonna be fine. Yeah, if you can just find because at the end of the day, you can find a way to win every single game, no matter you know as long as you're an average team. I mean, if the other team's got a bad day and you have a great day, almost anyone can beat anyone on any given on any given day. So there's just a ton of excitement. I mean, there's a ton of hard work. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it is physically exhausting. Your body hurts. You have muscles you didn't know existed, and those coaches push you pretty hard. Um, and, you know, you just get done with a two-and-a-half, three-hour practice, and coach tells you to get on the line. It's time for conditioning, and you just want to punch him in the face. But <laughs> um, but it's needed. <laughs> and looking back, it, you know it's needed, and you're so stinking tired. Um, but it's such a fun time, too. I mean, you're literally – it's like a giant – you know, you're living in the dorms with your teammates. Um, you know, you're exhausted, so you're not staying up late, you know, playing Xbox. But – um, you know, there is some downtime where you're getting to hang out with your teammates, get to know them better. You're getting to meet the new freshmen. Um, so, no, it, it's a it's a fun time. I mean, I, I if you told me now, if you gave me the chance to do it now, I'd say no. <laughs> I, I did four of them. I'm good. <laughs> um, I, I don't need any more. But, I mean, I wouldn't trade those memories and, and the, that time for, for anything. It is such an exciting time and, and such a um, rewarding time because you get to see that first game's it's far enough. But, I mean, it's right around the corner. And so, you know, it's it's coming. And 
it's going to be here before you know it, and you better be ready, and you get to see that reward of a first win. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just a blast. And what football means to everyone, especially in this town and this state, um, and the fans that Kansas State have, I mean, there, there's nothing better than, than making those fans happy and making your family proud and your teammates proud and just going out there and playing like you know you can. Well said. <laughs> Man, I want to keep picking your brain about stories. I, do you have any Arthur Brown stories? I mean, he whooped my butt up and down the field every day during practice. <laughs> I don't know why, but I, he was I, used, so good. I feel like I used to hear crazy stories about, like, wives' tales about Arthur Brown, stuff he would do, like, in like training, but maybe yeah. I'm just I mean, making it up. I mean, he was just a freak. Yeah. I mean, I remember, yeah, I mean, there, you would just watch stuff on film and be like, We'll like, we'll let you we'll let you human? think of those. Yeah, hold on. I, I'll, I'll, I'll mention one more real quick one. So, and this is post K State. So it was um, it's a good story. So okay, so it was after um, after our pro day. So senior season, just you know, Big Twelve championships. Before you almost became a Cleveland. Before Brown. I became a Cleveland Brown for three months, and they didn't pay me anything, and then I got cut right before I got paid. Um, <laughs> Damn you, Cleveland! Oh, Cleveland, L. we hate you. <laughs> Baker Mayfield, what? Um. So good luck up there, Baker. Um, he is a bonehead. He listens. He does. Awesome. Awesome. So, so we just get done with pro day. You know, we've all been eating real clean. Um, you know, drinking just water and having no fun. And and we we get done with pro day. We're all celebrating. You know, we got what two, three, four weeks till the draft. Um. So like me, Braden Wilson, the old fullback, Colin Klein, we all go out to Aggieville to you know celebrate a little bit. And, you know, there were five, six, seven of us, and Braden goes up to the counter and orders, a, like, a double whiskey Coke or something. I go up to the counter just order Bud Light or some cheap, crappy beer. And then Colin goes up to the counter. And, you whoa. Know, and, yeah, whoa. And we're like, whoa, whoa, what's happening here? Like, Colin, are you going to have a little fun tonight? And it's like 10 o'clock at Kites. <laughs> and, and Colin goes up to the counter, and he goes, you know, in Colin's little voice, he goes, can 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 I get a chocolate milkshake? Oh my god! <laughs> and so and so they made it for him. To Ten o'clock, kitchen was closed, and they're like, "Well, I guess you're calling client. I guess we'll make you a chocolate milkshake at ten o'clock at Kites." So that's one of my favorite calling client stories. Um, as you know, he just had the baby, so yes, Barrick was born. Congratulations so, to him and his beautiful wife. Yes, he's so trying to get. They're trying to encourage me and my wife to have a baby so we can plan a national championship 18, 19, 20 years down okay, the road. Okay, okay. And, and uh, you know, your beautiful wife was also in here. You guys would have a pretty tall kid. I mean, yeah, and volleyball player. She played volleyball here. So. Oh, yeah. oh, my God. Uh, your kid would be huge. Yeah, so we, we, we got some we got some, some good genes in the background. Okay. So we're, we might try to time up Colin and Shaylin's second kid. There you um, go. So not to speculate on a podcast about yeah. <laughs> very, very serious family life decisions. There's hey, much more important things than hey, winning football, but we're not all, much. We're all family here on Bosco's Exactly. Parents. Especially or all, even at K-State, we're all family. So eh, That's what it's about. Yeah, well, hey, yes. we appreciate you coming on. We're going to get you some special guests for coming on. So Perfect. You're our reoccurring guest, number one. We hope to get you on again. Plug anything that you got. What, what, plug, plug, plug everything you got. Everything I got. You almost tried to get out of here the last time without mentioning your broadcast career. So I want you to make sure that if the folks aren't going to be in Bill Snyder Family Stadium, let them know what you'll be doing on that first game day. Anything you want people to know about? Anything you want people to join? Follow? Too. Yeah. That's no. Yeah. Well. So literally everything. I see where these hints are going. Yes. <laughs> um, we just want you to give yourself the proper props you deserve. Yeah. No. Over on Facebook, I run a, a Facebook group called K State Fan Zone. 
Um, check that out. It's pretty. We've been pretty slow over the summer. I haven't put a whole lot of content out there. Um, but with the season picking up, we've been picking things up this week, and it'll be a lot more better conversations. And, um, you know, we try to keep it. Obviously, it's Facebook, so it's always free. Um, but just fun and fair, and I'm not going to – mute anyone or if you want to talk crap on any coaching staff or any player you go right ahead so um you know there's some kids on there so keep the language clean but um you know it's a pretty kind of an unfiltered zone and um i'm not gonna try to uh filter anything to meet my agenda because i have no agenda um i just like connecting with k-state fans seeing what you guys are thinking it helps me on my broadcast career kind of seeing what um everyone's thinking and helps me prepare um and you know know this football team like the back of my hands so um head over to that k-state fan zone um on facebook that's really all i got i appreciate the you guys having me on it's been super fun um maybe check in before mississippi state or after mississippi state um i feel like that'll be kind of going into conference play or going into a big sec game um now that i moved up to manhattan so anytime you guys come to a game i'd be happy to to join you again and tell some more good stories perfect be on the lookout uh we're hoping to have a bosco's boys tailgate for that first game so if you want to stop by you and brian before you uh you know put the shirt and tie on yeah we'll be a little busy that day <laughs> we'll, oh, we'll be there bright and early bright so and early all right you, it's, it's a night game right yeah I think, well i, I mean got, whenever just, the gates open but we'll, yeah. we'll we'll reserve like a powerade zero or a dasani water or okay. you know pepsi or any of those other great uh sponsors of kansas state university and yeah, you, you guys can you stop by before it's three or four beers of me that'd be uh, bad yeah you'd be you'd be burping <laughs> the entire yeah, time no kidding jeez louise <laughs> brian, what br- is this beer from india <laughs> brian be looking at you and you're like you're hanging out with those damn Bosco boys, weren't you? Uh, yeah. No, first game might be a stretch, but we'll for sure. The, the pregame show I do, I always try to hit up a few tailgates beforehand. Um, that, that's, do you have tickets? No, did you not listen? Well, you might not have been around earlier. He is broadcasting the first I know, game. I know. I'm just asking if he has. The, the pregame show with KSAHD.TV. Okay, no, yeah. I so no. wasn't listening. With the KSAHD, part of the, the compensation package is I get two free tickets to Gene's suite every game. So I get to go hang out with Gene. Our best friend, Gene. Yeah, so it, it's a good time up there. Although he's never there. He's always on the sidelines watching the game because he's that, like a hyper K-State. He like, he's like a super fan. Well, not only that, unlike you know previous administration, that guy is rocking a purple uh, power cat polo every time. He's not a oh, suit and yeah. tie guy. He is. He, he was. He, he, he was rocking when we were in there. You know, Kenny Lanou was just in, you know, some, you know, Tommy Bahama shirt or something. But, <laughs> Ke- of course, Gene was right there rocking a, you know, a sweet coach's polo. And, you know, he, you know, he's all about the cats. But, yeah, you enjoy those sweets if, if you know, if anything ever happens, if those just happen to, you know, float, you know, to your favorite podcast, let us know. <laughs> all right. We, sounds we'd good. love to join you up there. But sounds good. Thanks again for being our first ever recurring guest. We hope to get you on again soon. Uh, you know, boneheads. Remember, you know, hit up K State Fan Zone on Facebook. Uh, Travis is somewhere on Twitter. I'm. I'll, we'll be sure to tag him on this tweet. So sounds good. Give him a follow and uh, just follow him at, at Travis Tanhill. That's yeah. all it is. Oh, that, Pretty easy. Yeah, that's awesome. We love you guys, Travis. I personally love you very much. <laughs> like you were almost like you were my family or something like that. Shoot. K-State family. We're K-State good. family. There you Me go. Me and Grant were roommates. So yeah, you're his roommate. We're like basically roommates through. Uh, actually, he never was my roommate. That's still a whole other story. We'll get into that. Some <laughs> Next, other podcast. Next podcast. Thanks again. Meet me at the cat head. 
Thanks again to everyone who listened to the show. We really do appreciate you. Uh, before we sign off for good, we want to give a shout-out to one of our loyal boneheads, Steve Keck, which is at SL Keck on Twitter. Steve has a band called Betty the Astronaut, and we like them so much we're going to end our episodes with their songs. Betty the Astronaut is an acoustics punk duo band based out of Manhattan that has been around for about a year. Their debut album, Woof, can be found on iTunes, Spotify, and really anywhere that plays music. Uh, they have a show right around the corner at the Bluemont Hotel, Thursday, August 23rd from 7 to 10 p.m., and they play f- every fourth Thursday of every month at the Bluemont Hotel as well. So be sure to get out to the show and give them your support. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed the show. Shout out to Travis Tannehill again. Thank you guys for listening. Here is Betty the Astronaut. There was a ghost inside my room last night She sang to me a lullaby Assuring me that I won't get to sleep With dissonance, broken harmony So here I go Pass me the microphone, baby I can show you what it takes to be king There was a ghost inside my room last night It came to me as no surprise Convincing me to forget all my friends Then pack and leave Manhattan so let me go It's a long walk home from here, baby You can show me all the mistakes I made And still make Network.